Today our text is from Luke chapter 20. And Jesus began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one they also wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son, perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir, let's kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Now when they heard this, they said, surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The scribes and chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they had perceived that he had told them this parable against them, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. Now, a handful of months ago when we did the, you know, 37,000 month sermon series on the parables, we covered this one because we covered all of them. And so I'm just going to kind of work through this parable really quickly and then get right to the key that's important for us to understand. So the vineyard is a classic Old Testament reference to Israel, to God's people. The religious leaders are seen as the tenants. The owner of the vineyard, of course, is God, the son. That's a no-brainer, is the son of God. And then this inheritance that the tenants are trying to gain for themselves is the kingdom of God, the world put right. I just want to pause a minute and just think about what it would be like to see the son. What would it be like to see the incarnation, God wrapped up in human flesh, walking among us? I think in my mind, I go back to to Mary and, and how she pondered all these things in her heart, just to conceive of this idea that Jesus, though he was fully man, was also fully God. The creator of creation, walking in creation. And the son approaches What's our disposition towards the Son? What, what is it that we think about Him? What do we know about Him? What do we believe about Him? And how does our life, more importantly, how does our life reflect that? Then Jesus gets right to the key, right? If you, if you remember from the 5,700,000 5, parable sermons that we did, the key is always at the end. And here's where it is today. But he looked directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on it will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Here's the key. Jesus is looking directly at them. 
Imagine that, if you will. If Jesus is looking directly at you, looking into your eyes, into your soul, knowing every dark corner that's there. It would be a petrifying experience. It'd either break you to pieces or crush you. But imagine this. Imagine if Jesus stares into your eyes and and sees... He sees grace. In his eyes, you see compassion. That as you speak those words of your confession, that before you even finish and get them out of your mouth, he has forgiven you totally and fully. And you can see the joy on his face that that causes. Any interaction with this cornerstone, Jesus says, results in two responses, one of two responses. Either you will be broken to pieces or you will be crushed. You see, any encounter with the cornerstone is a transformative event. It changes who you are. You cannot remain the same. You will either be broken to pieces or you will be crushed. Now, yay, good news, God. There actually is a whole lot of good news in this. This crushed or broken, you know, as I was preparing the sermon, I I wasn't an avid watcher of this game show, but I saw it a couple of times and that that whole let's make a deal. And you know what's behind door number one and you know what's behind door number two. And if broken to pieces is in door number three and door number two is is being crushed, I'd I'd really like to see what's behind that other door, (laughs) right? I want the other option, something easier. Like, is there a gentler option that we can choose. You know, one that says, I want to live my life the way that I want to live it, and I'm going to give a piece of it to God. Maybe a a small piece, maybe a big piece, but just a piece of it, because I want to, I want to do what I want to do, and I want to keep a part of my life the way that I want it to look, and the way that I want it to sound, and do the things that I want to do. And that fraction I'm going to give God, it's, it's just, just a token, and he should be grateful for whatever he gets from me. An easier way. You see, I think that uh, there are many Christians and, and perhaps even some people sitting in the room today who are unbelievers. Right? Many people who, who fascinate themselves with spectacular religion. Right? This spectacular religion that looks like faithfulness, but is perhaps one of the most hideous forms of unbelief. And here's what I mean by that. Because I I would throw out the argument that religious people are the worst. You know, people, religious people who think that if they follow all the right rules, if they go to church, if they read their Bible, if they pray, if they do all these things, and they are perfect Christians, that God will go, man, you nailed it today. Just out of the park. So proud of you. I wish everybody could be like you. Welcome to my table. Welcome to my kingdom. Because any, any relationship with God that's not based on faith in Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he brings is a lie. People who look like they have it all together, 
but without faith in Christ is a lie. There is no easy way through this. There is no gentler way to impact with the cornerstone. Because, see, we forget that we still all sin. We are all broken. We all continue to make mistakes over and over again. And the wages of that sin is not just a, hey, do better next time. It's death. The wages of sin is death. There's no way to escape that truth. You know, this this highly religious group of people that believe that if they do all the right things and follow all the right rules, that God owes them something. Miss the point completely. Because if God gave us what we truly deserve, it would be judgment. Each and every one of us. But by his mercy, he treats us better. You see, this third option is really not a third option whatsoever at all. It's actually the same as the Pharisees. It's the same as all of the religious leaders who go through the motions but have nothing inside. It's being crushed. That's the end result of impacting with the cornerstone when there's no faith in Christ. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. To me, that sounds a whole lot like Pilate and Jesus and the crowds when Jesus is being tried before his death. That the crowd chants out, let his blood be on us and on our children. We'll take the blame. We'll take that blood. But here's the irony, right? Because what God intends to do good, the enemy tries to twist and do evil with. And in this, this attempt to kill Jesus and, and let his blood be on us and on our children, that statement could not be more filled with grace. Because what we're saying and what we say today when we receive his body and his blood is let that blood be on us, God. Not the responsibility for it but the grace that comes with it. Let that blood cover over our sin. Let it wash us. Let it blot out our sin. Let us make us as white as wool and brand new. Let your blood be on us today. And he will come and destroy these tenants and give the vineyard to others, Jesus said. But when they heard this, they said, surely not. Now, this is a very valid question for Jesus to ask. What should, the, what should the vineyard owner do, right? But the Pharisees, they already know that Jesus is talking about them. So let's change this, Jesus. Let's, 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 let's not have you come and destroy us. Let's do that gentler option that we were talking about. But deep in our hearts, we all have this longing desire for God to right what's wrong. Right? Those that have hurt us, they deserve some kind of vengeance, some kind of punishment. Right? That's, that's why we love movies that, that, that have uh, something terrible and horrible happen, but then the, the character like, like John Wayne or Liam Neeson or, or Dwayne Johnson comes blazing in with, uh, with guns firing and, and wipes everybody out. All the bad guys are dead, and then, and then he gives this vineyard, he restores it, picks it back up, and he puts all these good-natured, happy people in to serve and be tenants. Because that's what we long for, because this life stinks sometimes. And it's filled with all kinds of hurts. And when we lose loved ones or, or they, 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 they go through difficult seasons in their life, we see the aches and the pains. And God, we long for you to make this better. And we know you say that vengeance is yours and it's not ours, but 
We'll wait, but we'll wait like just with anger burning because we so desperately want you to just rain down hellfire. And that's the place where Jesus makes this statement that the stone the builders rejected. Because it's important to understand that Jesus stands in judgment against anyone who fails to accept his acceptance of the world as it is by faith alone. Right? He brings his gavel, his judge's gavel down on the folly that, that will not see that he judges nothing else, not goodness, not badness, not any behaviors of any kind. He just simply judges the presence of faith. The smallest amount of faith. I have faith, but do I have enough? Yes. If you have any, you have enough. This is a, a self-justifying world where a, a, a scary growing number of Christians think that being well-behaved is more important to God than trusting in him for forgiveness. Now, any preacher who preaches the gospel and speaks the word of God in its, in its fullness, understand that people love to hear gospel for them. Like, Forgive me, God, but don't forgive the person who harmed me. Bring your vengeance on them. You know, gospel is great for me, but for my enemies, bring the law. Just give it to them, Pastor. I love it when people come up to me and like, man, you gave it to them, Pastor. I'm like, I was trying to give it to you. <laughs> my bad. We love that. And, and here's, the, here's the scary thing, everybody, that... This law that everybody longs for. But in the end, that's exactly what God gives them. He gives them exactly what they want. And he lets the fullness of the law crash on them. And it's crushing. It's absolutely crushing because without faith in Christ, the law rains down all the punishment that our sin deserves. Well, let's get to the good news. This is the broken piece. But those who fall on this stone will be broken. This breaking is, is less of a punishment and it's more of our hearts, our hardened hearts that get cracked open so that God's grace can flood into it. It's being broken in repentance is the meaning so that the grace of God, the healing grace of God can rain down and pour through and saturate our souls. God, I want to be broken. Break me of my pride. Break me of my sin. Break me of myself that I may be filled with you, to, to know your grace, to know your love, and let it flow through me. See, the Father does this amazing thing. He reprocesses his anger into grace. The Father doesn't respond to those who, who, who know his Son with force or violence. Instead, he uses the intense vulnerability of God with us, of the incarnation, of Jesus wrapped up in flesh, walking among us, to the crushing weight of the cross. You see, God's wrath has already burned our sins away. They are no more. But in his grace and mercy, he didn't want us to experience that burning. He chose to substitute his son. That Jesus bore that full weight all on his own, paid that cost all on his own, and it is paid in full. Which then should move us 
to say, how do we respond in this way to people who anger us? First of all, we don't have to deny or suppress that anger that we feel. We can validate it. It's real. But then constantly work to reprocess it, to to choose to make a costly demonstration, as God did, of grace and unexpected love. Now, this is just part of being broken. Because Jesus goes on to, to use this word cornerstone. He defines what kind of stone he's talking about. And he says it's a cornerstone. Now, a cornerstone is not just any type of stone or block. It has a very specific purpose. Because the cornerstone sets the tone, the direction, and the design for the rest of the entire building. You can't have a shape of a cornerstone in one way that designs a building and then build your building completely opposite of what the design is meant to be. You just, you can't do that and have it be successful. We can't say, Jesus, you are just a small part of my life and I want the rest of my life to be built the way that I want it to be built by my design and my will. Jesus says, no, I'm the cornerstone. I will shape your life the way that it's meant to be. I I have the great plan already drawn up. I know exactly who you will become and how we're going to get there. And even the storms that are going to shape you into the shape that I want you to be. I'm the designer of your life. It's time for you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind to become more and more in the shape that I've made you to be. And as you do that, you will start to produce good fruit. And you'll do these good things. You'll do these good works. Not that I would be any more pleased with you because I tell you, I promise you, there is nothing you could ever do that would make me love you more. And there's nothing you could ever do that would make me love you less. So now go and live in the way that I've built you to live. Be those tenants in this vineyard of the church and produce good fruits, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These will be the fruits that will be abundant in your life. We are the tenants working in this vineyard. The fruit that we produce, those fruit of the Spirit, can also be understood as right worship and right living, Right, right, right worship is really all about commandments one, two, and three, all of our relationship with God. And then right living is all about how we interact with each other, commandments four through ten. Care for the vineyard is not just about worshiping God, but it's about building up the church, about serving the unserved, about helping the vulnerable. See, it's so easy to, to, to come and, and, and maybe church shop around, and maybe we've got some visitors in here today, and, and I just want you to think about this, if this is you. The best way to church shop is not to walk into a room and go, what is it about this place that can serve me and my needs and my desires and my wishes and my wants? But instead, the right way to walk into any building, any room, is how will my presence here make this room better? How will my thoughts, my words, my actions improve the lives of the people that I see today? And that changes a perspective. You know, parents, you have this role 
that the children that you have are not yours. They are God's sons and daughters. You are tenants of them. You're, you're to, to care for them, to raise them up, to grow them into the young men and women of God that they're supposed to be. Employers, your employees are not your own. They are treasures of God. Teachers, your, your students are not your own. You are to raise them up as unrepeatable miracles of God. This past, past week, I was able to go to a conference in Orlando. It was called Serve the City. And it was uh, an opportunity. There were 50 different churches from Orlando and the surrounding area. And there were about 20 different organizations, nonprofits, that, that also serve the, the vulnerable. And we were all coming together and learning more about how do we make more of an impact. And one of the speakers, he, he said something that just stabbed me in the heart. He said, you know how so many people in the world find the church to be irrelevant for their lives today? And we were shaking our heads. Yeah, we've heard that before. And then this was the part that stung me. It's like, you do understand that the church is not your building. It's not that your building is no longer relevant. It's the people in it. The lives that we live. Are we making an impact? Is our, is our life being built by the cornerstone of Christ, taking on the shape and the design that he intended? Are we producing good fruits, not to please him more, but because that's just naturally what disciples of Jesus do? Are we doing that in our lives? How do we make our homes, our places of work, our schools and neighborhoods better? Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to pick this week, pick something either your home, your place of work, your school, your neighborhood, one of those four. And be intentional to do something to make that place better this week. Maybe it's, if you're a grumpy person, maybe it's just smile. <laughs> but if you see a need to fill that need, think of it this way, what can I do to make that place more like heaven? That's taking care of the vineyard. That's being a tenant that is faithful and obedient to God. So today we have this opportunity to, to interact with this cornerstone of Christ. You can either approach it with pride and be crushed or come to this table in just a few moments with humility and be broken so that you can be healed and made alive. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are as our Father, the, the owner of all that we have. Enable us to be good stewards, good tenants, to know that all that we have is not ours, but is yours. That as we interact with you, it's not by our good deeds that we gain any merit, but it is only the merit that is won for us by Christ on the cross the stone who was himself crushed by the cross. God, for the life that you give to us, the joy that we have in living for you, enable us to see those opportunities at, at home, at work, at school, and in our neighborhoods to make your kingdom come. We pray this in Jesus' powerful and holy name. Amen.